this morning is week 18 in the final week of our, of our uh, Sunday School series, Old Theology for Current Times. And if you haven't grabbed one, there is a sheet, a worksheet in the back at the two little tables underneath the TV if you want to grab one. But this is the final series. And I just want to say this series has been a blessing for me. Now, I've been downstairs for most of it with the kids and junior hires, but I've been downloading every lesson, listening to them as I've been driving around for work, and I have been greatly benefited and blessed by driving around and listening how to apply my theology, how to put my theology into practice. This series has been a great blessing for me, and I just want to thank uh, Pastor Myrell and Aaron for the hard work that they've put into this series, and it's a privilege to be given the opportunity to teach the last, the last lesson. Last week, Pastor Myrell covered biblical eschatology, the study of the last things. And as, My- as Pastor Myrell taught, having the correct view of eschatology should, should give us steadfast hope, knowing what's to come. It should give us steadfast hope. It should encourage us. Not only should it encourage us, but we should be speaking of these things, knowing that the Lord's coming back, and we should encourage each other, knowing what the Lord is going to do, that he's going to fulfill his promises. And then also, knowing how God is going to sum up all of history, how all things are going to end, it should drive us towards obedience, to living for his glory at the present, in the here and now. So, how do we know how to be obedient to God? How to live for his glory? And it's very simple. Our God has spoken. He has revealed himself. We're not left in the dark of knowing who our God is and how we need to live for him. He has spoken. As as the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, I'll read it for you. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he, appeared, who he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So throughout history, God has spoken. He's spoken in different ways, and today we have a clear insight into his plan of redemption through his Son. And we have with us, many of you in your laps, a copy of God's revelation that tells us everything we need to know to be faithful to him. Bottom line is our God has spoken. And because our God has spoken, we must listen to his word. And that is our topic for this morning. We are going to be covering listening to the word of God. More specifically, we're going to be covering listening to sermons, listening to the proclamation of God's word, to the preaching of God's word. And the first part of this morning, I just want to cover a little bit of the theology of listening to God's word proclaimed. And then about halfway through, I want to just cover some, just some practical applications, some practical considerations to living out our theology of listening to the preaching of God's word. And what I'm covering this morning, it's as much for me as it is for you. Studying this this week, I've been convicted. I need to listen better. I need to listen to God's word better. It has been convicting me. And much, much of these passages that we're going to go through, we won't, we won't cover every single one that's on your worksheet, but they've, some of them has just been a finger in my chest. It has been, it has been convicting. So this morning is almost an overflow 
onto you guys of me preaching to myself. I need to listen better to God's word. And before we begin, just a couple, just a few footnotes. Charles Hodge once said, he admitted that he never advanced a new idea. And I'm admitting that this morning too. Much of what I'm covering this morning are not original thoughts, which nothing that's spoken at this pulpit is original thoughts. But much of what I'm covering is from uh, Ken Ramey's um, book, Expository Listening. If you have not read that, please do. I know there's, I think there's at least a couple copies in our book note. Our pastors have put that on our reading list. That is something that, as a church, they have subscribed for us to read. It is a very helpful book. And today is not going to be a comprehensive study on this, and it's also not going to be a book review. Ken Ramey dives way deeper into this than what I'm going to cover this morning. So if you have not read his book, please do so. It is very, very beneficial. As I've already said, God has spoken. And we have his spoken word in the 66 books that make up our Bible. And listening to the word of God is very important because we will be held accountable to the biblical truth that is proclaimed. There are consequences in this life and the next for what we do with the word of God, for the biblical truth that we know and that is proclaimed to us. There are consequences. In Matthew seven twenty four through 27, Christ sums up his Sermon of the Mount with this illustration, an illustration that many of you are very familiar with. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, the winds blew, and slammed against the house. And yet, it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them act upon them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, slammed against the house, and it fell. And great was its fall. So in this illustration, as far as our lives being compared to building a house, there's great consequences. Either total destruction a great fall, as Christ says, or on the other hand, blessing, security. Everything goes well with us. And the difference between these two scenarios is what? Listening to the word of Christ. Listening to God's word. In other words, what we do with the word of God matters. It's something we need to take very serious. It's not just what you hear, but it's what you do. Listening and obedience are very closely related in Scripture. Listening in a way that affects our lives, it causes the way we live to be different, to be more Christ-like. That is obedient listening. Listening that causes us to live in a different way. And the good news, as I've already pointed to, is we have everything we need in Scripture to know how to live obediently, to live for God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, a verse that I'm sure many of you have memorized, but Paul, writing to Timothy, says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Scripture is profitable. Not only is it profitable, it's profitable to make us adequate for living to God 
and equips us for every good work, everything we need. It is totally sufficient for, uh, to guide us in how we are to live for God. The word of God is the primary is a primary power to change us, to change believers. And we each have copies of God's word. Many of it's in your guys' laps. You read it throughout the week. But God has also given us something else. God has also commanded his word to be preached, to be proclaimed. That is a benefit to us and the church. From the Old Testament prophets to the New Testament apostles, God has given his word to men to be proclaimed to his people to equip them and to edify them. In the beginning of the church, there was, there was the same pattern of preaching to the churches. Not only that, but it's also mandated many times in the epistles that there needs to be the preaching of Scripture in church, within the body. For example, 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul exhorts Timothy. He says, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Timothy was not just to read scripture, allowed for everybody to hear, but he was to teach, he was to preach, he was to exhort what, what God has spoken. He was to do that publicly for, for the congregation to hear. And he also, Paul also gives another exhortation to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1-4. And he writes, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ, who, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. This is a very serious charge that Paul gave Timothy. Very serious charge to preach the word. He says, he says do in the presence of God and Christ. It's a solemn charge, he says. And there's a reason. There's a reason why Paul gave this exhortation to Timothy to preach the word, and he continues in verses 3 and 4. Let me read it for you. He says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from truth, and will turn aside to myths. So there was a danger in the early church, and that same danger is today, that people will turn away from sound doctrine. They will no longer listen to it. Instead, seeking their own desires, they will stop listening to truth, and they will turn to their own desires and seek, seek the message from false teachers, stuff they want to hear. Seek their own desires. That is a danger. And that is why we need the, the exhortation of God's word, the preaching of God's word. And we need pastors, like Timothy, with shepherding hearts to preach and instruct us in Scripture. As Paul says, do it with patience and instruction. We need pastors to shepherd us. The name of our church is Mission Road Bible Church. We are defined by a gathering of believers that are devoted to the word of God. And as a church, we gather every Sunday as a body of like-minded believers to worship God. That is the purpose why we gather, and we do that through many ways. Sunday morning is a time of fellowship. It's a time to disciple one another, encourage one another in the faith. It is a time to come in, sing songs of praise to God, worshiping for who he is and what he has 
done. However, the highlight of every service is when Rick walks up to this pulpit and he says, take your Bibles and open up to Ephesians, or is my role to this morning, Ruth. That is the highlight of every service. Historically, much throughout church history, p- services were planned around the Word of God. Even how, how our churches are set up, this room is set up to where the focal point of this whole room is on this pulpit. It is the word of preaching of the Word of God that is the highlight of our worship services on Sunday morning. And out of conviction of our sufficiency of Scripture and preaching, our church, our whole service, is highlighted at the moment that we open up our Bibles and as a, as a body of believers, we listen together to the word preached. One of our distinctives of Mission Road is expository preaching. Our pastors study and preach in such a way that to bring clarity from Scripture. They do not come with their own agenda, but it is Scripture that is the agenda for our church. And that's why we go verse by verse by verse, and right now it's Ephesians. And that is expository preaching. That is our conviction. Pastor Rick, he defines expository preaching as this. This is a really helpful definition that I'm sure he's probably said many times to all of you. Expository preaching is the public proclamation that explains what the Bible says, what it means, and why it matters. This method is anchored to the robust conviction in the inspiration, inerrancy, infallibility, sufficiency, authority, and clarity of Scripture, and necessitates a historical grammatical hermeneutic. Every time Rick comes up here, he is following those convictions. Every single time our Bibles are open, we are taught strictly what it says. What does this passage say? How to understand it. He also teaches how to interpret it. What does it mean? If the Bible says this, then what does it mean? Which finally leads to the so what. Why does it matter? How do we apply it to our lives? And what we do with the biblical truth that is taught from this pulpit at this local congregation, this local body, it is very important. God has blessed us with with his word, but he's also blessed us with pastors that help guide and shepherd us in following out and living in that word. And the bottom line is, is we will be held accountable for what we do with the biblical truth that we listen to. And we must be diligent in listening. Listening is hard work. We need to listen in a way that we live out biblical truth, that it actually affects our lives for change. We are different. And we will be held accountable. Now, there's a problem with that. There's a problem with that, and it is, we're not good naturalists. We are naturally not good listeners. That is something we are not born to do, is listen to the word of God. There are dist- we are, our lives are consumed with distractions, always pulling us away from God's word. And I could talk on and on about the distractions that we have in life as far as entertainment, social media, our culture around us. All training us to think in different ways that distract from the word. But that's not the biggest danger. As Myrl taught a few weeks ago on social media, the greatest danger is us. The greatest danger is our own sinful hearts that pull us away from listening to the word of God. First of all, there are some 
and I assume in a room this big, it's true that there are some who are spiritually dead. That, those who are unregenerated, the word of God does not penetrate them. They cannot listen or respond to biblical truth. Rick is going to be spending a lot of time discussing that here in just a week or two as he starts going through Ephesians chapter 2. As Paul fam- his, Paul's famous words, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And that was all of us at one point in time before we were illuminated through the Holy Spirit to be able to even understand the word of God in a way that it affects our life. Now, not all are dead <laughs> in their trespasses and sin. God saves. And this, our church is a testimony that God does save sinners and has mercy on sinners. However, at salvation... We are not completely removed from sin. Our sin is not completely taken away. As my theology professor George Zimmick famously says, we have a martyrological hangover, a sin hangover. We drink sin like water, and it is still part of us as far as the effects. We still struggle with sin and will struggle until the time that we are perfect in Christ. We struggle with sin, and because of our sinful hearts, we struggle with listening. We are many times selfish, we are lazy, we are prideful, we have a lack of gratitude. Sometimes we lose focus of why we're even here, what we're even doing, and we need to remind ourselves the importance of listening to God's word. Be grateful for what he has done for us. And many times, our own sinful sinful hearts keep us away from listening to the biblical truth that can change us in the likeness of Christ. Something we need to be aware of, something we need to be on guard of. And since we will be held accountable for listening to the word of God, our sinful hearts put us in danger of not taking heed to his word. So then, we must be diligent. We must be diligent and put in the hard work of listening, listening to the preaching of God's word. And so the rest of the time this morning, I just want to spend some time just talking about some just practical ways that we can be obedient in living out what we hear, what is preached to us, living out God's word. So for those of you that have the worksheet, on our worksheet, I'm going to cover three considerations for being an effective listener of scripture. Three considerations for being an effective listener of scripture. And throughout this series... We have been discussing theology, but it's more of a thing of, if our theology says this, if we believe this, then how do we live this out? How do we practice it in our lives? How do we we practically follow it in in our walk with Christ, rather? If we hold to certain theological presuppositions, then we should live in a certain way that reflects our theological beliefs. And so the first consideration that I'll cover for being an effective listener is, if God commands obedience to his word, then I must prepare myself to listen to the preaching of his word. We must prepare ourselves before, beforehand. I've heard Rick say this many, many times. I'm sure you all have too. Sunday morning begins when? Saturday night, right? It begins beforehand. We must prepare. And like every other important event of our life, work meetings, vacations, you don't just walk in. It is something that you think about beforehand and you prepare yourself before the event takes place. And since church, listening to the word of God is the most important thing that happens during our week, we must prepare. 
We must ready ourselves for it, for it. If we hold a high view, high value of church and a high value of scripture, then we must be diligent to prepare ourselves to hear the word of God. And I'm sure all of you have experienced the opposite of that at some point. At some point, going for church, I'm sure some of you have experienced something where the alarm goes off, you hit snooze a few times. All of a sudden, you're already behind than what you already were. You wake up, you're looking for clothes, you're ironing clothes. If you have kids, you're chasing them around, trying to figure out how to get them in clothes, get them fed, cook breakfast. The whole time you're doing this, the clock is ticking, ticking, ticking. Tensions rise. You probably start getting a little bit short with your kids and your wife. All of a sudden, you get into the van. You get into the car. All of a sudden, it takes about three different times because everybody's running back in the house, grabbing their Bible or notebook or things that they they missed. And then you get to church. You're speeding because you're behind. You're probably arguing during during, during the ride here. Then you pull in the parking lot. You stop. And then you try to prepare yourself to worship God after you've been sinning or keeping yourself from sinning all morning. That's not what we want to do. And just as a little footnote, if that happens, <laughs> which it happens to all of us at some point in time, before you walk in, ask forgiveness of your wife, ask forgiveness from God, walk in, worship. God is forgiving. <laughs> it happens. But there are things we need to do to stop that. That is, Sunday morning is not the time to test you and your family of how quickly you can get ready and hold back sin underneath the pressure of going to church. It's not the time for that. Make Sunday morning easy. Make it easy. Set out the clothes the night before. Just practical stuff. Iron. Get ready. Get the kids ready. Figure out what you're going to eat for breakfast the next morning. And I am, I'm not a nutritionist, but Sunday morning is not the time for things like donuts, pancakes, I'm sure all of us have experienced those late morning sugar crashes because of the garbage we ate in the morning and it completely just wrecks our attentiveness. Think about it. Consider these things of how to prepare yourself to get ready for the Word of God. It's not just the night before either as far as this preparation for Sunday mornings. It's throughout the week. It's throughout the week you need to prepare yourself. When we come to church, we come to listen to the exposition of Scripture. And there's two things Christians need to bring with them that is a part of them when they listen to the Word of God. And the first is discernment. You need discernment. God, in his plan, uses men to preach his word. And they're not perfect. (laughs) And all our pastors would testify to that. That's why they study so hard to understand the passage, for they can bring clarity to it. You need to have discernment when you listen. Also, another trait that you need to have is you need to have a love for the Word of God. Many can sit and listen to four-hour podcasts or watch a four-hour binge, a four-hour movie or series and all this kind of stuff, And it's easy, because it's enjoyable. You like it. Well, for Christians, sitting and listening to a 45-50 minute sermon, that should be the highlight of our week. It should be something that it should be easy to listen to, easy to stay attentive, because our love for the Word. Our listening ears must be guided by discernment and our love for Scripture. So how do you obtain that? That's not an easy process but it's a simple process. Very simply, how do you gain discernment? How do you gain a love for the word? You read it. You read scripture. 
And throughout the week, in your quiet times, in your devotionals, you should be reading Scripture. And I know many of you have plans that you follow, and be diligent in that. Be diligent. But one thing you might do, too, once again, we are a church that does expository preaching. Most of the time, we're going verse by verse, book by book, uh, chapter by chapter, rather. And right now, we're going through Ephesians. Usually, you know what's going to be preached the next Sunday. Read it. Read it beforehand. Get it in your mind. Get it in your heart. Have questions and listen for Rick to answer those questions. Prepare your heart to listen to scripture of that morning. Be ready beforehand. Not only will it be something that will ready you to listen, but as you read, guess what? You are going to gain wisdom, discernment, and you are going to have a love for scripture that will motivate you to, guess what? Listen to more of it, out of your love of it. Be ready. We should have a lifestyle of, of reading scripture that brings us discernment and love that helps us listen. Along with reading scripture during the week in your, pri- in, your, uh, in your times of devotion, another thing you need to do, pray. Pray that God will change you, that he will give you wisdom, give you an understanding of what is read. Pray, not only pray for when you're reading during the moment, but pray for the service before Take time to pray for God to speak to you, for him to convict you, for him to change you, give you wisdom to understand what is being spoken. Also, when you pray, it's a time to confess sin. If there is known sin in your life, confess it, repent, and come into church with a clear conscience ready to worship God by listening to his word. Not only do you need to pray for yourself, but pray for others. Pray for your pastors. I know our pastors would covet your prayers as they are studying and getting ready for the sermon. Pray for them. Not just that, but pray for others. People you know that are struggling. People you know need to be encouraged by that sermon. Spend time praying for others. So, if we hold a high view of the word of God, we should be soaking in scripture, praying over it during the week, preparing our hearts to receive it, every Sunday morning. We need to be diligent in doing the hard work of listening before the actual sermon happens. Now, moving down our worksheet, moving to point number two, to more of, okay, now you're listening to the sermon. What do you do during the sermon? So point number two, our our second consideration, if God commands obedience to his word, then I must be proactively engaged during the preaching of his word. We need to be engaged during our worship service. Once again, it's so easy to come in frazzled, come in, sit down, and just check out. It happens. This is the most important part of our week, and we need to be ready to stay engaged. First of all, during our worship service, you need to sing. And I'm saying that as somebody who is terrible at singing. It is not my spiritual gift. But singing is something we do as a congregation to proclaim who God is and what he has done for us. It is a ministry even to each other. And also, it prepares our hearts to receive his, to receive his word. And we need to, as you sing, think about the theology in the songs. Aaron spends a lot of time, he works very hard to plan out our music to not only connect with the theme that's being preached, but to prepare our hearts to hear the word of God. Be engaged during worship, during singing. 
And another part of our service that you should be engaged in is prayer. Prayer is just kind of a constant theme throughout the week, as you're going to notice, of preparing yourself to hear the word of God. Pray. Thank God for the day. Once again, confess sin. Pray for yourself, but also pray for your pastor who's about to preach, who's about to deliver the word. Once again, pray for other people. If you know of unbelievers within the congregation, pray that this would be the Sunday that God would illuminate them through his word and they would be saved. Remember that there are many, in a room this size, there are many that when they listen to a service, it, was, it is literally a life or death situation. It's a life or death situation that they need to hear in a way that brings salvation to them. Pray for them. Take time to pray that God would save them. The time spent in our pews before a sermon should be a time to be engaged. Praying for ourselves, praying for others, singing praises to God, preparing ourselves to hear God's word. Now, during, during the sermon, once again, it's not the time to just sit back, take it easy. Listening is hard work. It's something to be engaged. First of all, it's good to just take a moment. Just take a moment and remind yourself what you're doing, why you're here, the importance of what's about to happen as far as the proclamation of God's word. Just take a minute to remind yourself of that. Just remind yourself of where you're at and what is happening. It is the most important time of the week. And there's little helpful steps that if we're not careful, we can kind of be lazy and forget about. But ask yourself questions, kind of preparing yourself as far as what is being preached. And a lot of times, Rick, he helps us out with this. But think about just simple things. What book are we in? What chapter are we in? What verse? What is the context? What happened before? What happened after? What is being discussed in what are we, what we are listening to? We need to understand the context And once again, Rick helps us out with that, but it's something we need to be engaged thinking those things to better understand what is being preached. And next, as you are looking, trying to understand those things, we need to listen to and understand the main point of the text. Every sermon that is preached has a main point. It has a main point that our pastor is taking from Scripture explaining it for we can apply it to ourselves. And in each sermon, our pastors spend a lot of time preparing outlines, a proposition, something, something that helps us actually understand the main point of the text. Write that down. Help that, use that to help you take notes. Those are for us to help us understand the main point. And I, wherever you guys are in taking notes, whatever spectrum you're on, some people are really just diligent and they don't even look at the preacher because they're sitting there writing notes the whole time. Some, you naturally like to sit and meditate and think about things. That's fine. But whatever you do, it is helpful. At least write down the outline for you can, as we're going to talk about here in a minute, use it later. And then with that outline, write down some way that you are going to apply that message later in the week even if it's just one thing. If it's just one thing that you got from that sermon that causes you to change your life for the glory of God later in that week, God is glorified. So write down, write down the point of the text and also how, are you, how you're going to apply it for you can use it later in the week. As I've said, 
the main task of listening to the sermon is to listen to the main point. What is being preached? What is being said? But if you stop there, if you stop with understanding without living it out, you have missed the point. Once again, the point is for us to apply it to ourselves. And the whole point of every sermon is to exhort us to be more like Christ. And the question is, are you being diligent in doing that? Are you being diligent in the sermons that you hear week after week after week? Are they changing you to be more like Christ? A question for us as a church body, going through Ephesians, a question would be, how is Ephesians changing you? Could you come up right now and give a testimony to all of us how this last several months and weeks of hearing just this, these rich, one of the most richest verses of the Bible, um, the longest sentence as Rick has taught us, how is that changing you? How are you being changed by the book of Ephesians? And if you couldn't do that, why not? Maybe it's something you need to think about. Is it changing you? Is it something that you are listening in a way that it does affect you? your life. Once again, we will be held accountable for scripture that we listen to, scripture that we know, and we must constantly be asking ourselves, how are we being changed? How is God's word changing us? And we must listen, once again, in a way that changes us to be more like Christ. And that leads to our third point, which is, if God commands the obedience to his word, then I must practice what is preached. That is the final goal of every sermon, is we need to practice what is preached. You should leave each sermon knowing how you need to apply the truth that you learn to your own life. We are so forgetful. I am convicted of this. We are so forgetful. It's so easy for us to listen to a sermon to be motivated, to have good intentions of this is what I'm going to do with this information, and then all of a sudden, Monday morning hits. Work happens, distractions come in, we start go fall into the rut of every week, and next thing you know, we remain unchanged, and we have forgotten what convicted us that Sunday morning. Because of that danger, because listening is hard work, we need to apply what we've learned, and we need to take steps in doing that. Listening to preaching is not enough if we do not practice what we have listened to. As James says in James 1, 21 through 25, and I'll read the passage for you, passage you are all very familiar with. He writes, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word. And not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror, and once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately has forgotten what kind of person he is. But one who looks intently at the perfect law and the law of liberty and abides by it, not having become forgetful hearers but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So James says those who just merely hear but it does not affect them, they delude themselves. They lie to themselves. And with our sinful hearts, we're always in danger danger of this. However, those who are doers of the word, who practice what has been preached preached to them, they are blessed in what they do. 
Once again, we are blessed by the truth that we learn and what is preached to us. And we want to be doers of the word. We want to go through the hard work of applying it to our lives. And here's some practical suggestions. Just practical things to practice to help you out with this. First of all, pray throughout the week. Prayer is is our motive to go through God to help us in these things. And God will help us to change. He will give us wisdom of what we've been taught. These requests need to be a regular part of our prayer life. God is for us in our pursuit of sanctification, in our pursuit of practicing what we have learned. He is for us in that, and he will help us. We need to be praying to be changed. And next suggestion, do not throw away your notes, the notes that we just talked about. Keep them. Keep them, and when you are going through your devotions throughout the week, when you are reading scripture, pull that out, read it, remind yourself of what you have learned, and hopefully the applications that you wrote down of how you need to change. Remind yourself of that. We are forgetful. We get distracted. We need reminders. That is a helpful way for you to remind yourself of what you have learned that week and how you need to change. And our pursuit of changing to be more to changing to be more Christ-like. That is not just something we do in our quiet times or times of devotion. We need to do that together. That's something that we do as a church body. We do not walk alone in that pursuit. But during the week, we need to share with our brothers and sisters in Christ how God's changing us, our struggles, how we need to change. We need to be encouraging one another in that. That is one of the blessings of being part of the body of Christ is we do not walk alone. And now some of you, your weeks are filled with those conversations. Your weeks are filled with meeting people for coffee. And some of you, maybe not so much, and maybe today will be the time to talk to somebody. Ask somebody out for coffee. Talk to somebody and say, hey, I want to talk to you about my life. We are blessed. Had the word of God. We are blessed to have preachers who shepherd us through that. But we are also blessed with each other to encourage one another in the faith of what we've been learning have those conversations. And today, another opportunity you will all have is care groups. Care groups is a great opportunity for us to have these conversations and have these discussions with one another. We are in this together as the body of Christ, and we should be encouraging and blessing one another and having these conversations. We do not walk alone in our pursuit to holiness, in our pursuit who being more like Christ in living out his glory. So at just the church in general, but this church, this local body, we are blessed. We are blessed with God's word. We are blessed with pastors that shepherd us to bring better clarity to the word, to teach us how to live it out. And we are blessed with us as a body, other believers that encourage each other, encourage one another in the faith. And let us be a church that holds a high view of God's word and holds a high view of the preaching of God's word. And let us be a church that holds a high view of listening to his word and living out what we've been taught for his glory.